Welcome to episode 79 of the MTB podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined by... My name is Jared, his... Jared Bierman. Handsome co-host. Jared Bierman. Is not his, that's not his last name, but that is his Instagram name. Yes. Uh, we're going to tell you about all sorts of various mountain bike-related things, and some maybe not mountain bike-related things that we just think are funny and, and want to talk about, because it's funny and that's fun. Uh, the topics, the topics, uh, why we have been a little silent as in us as worldwide cyclery on the media front these days. Um, well, less last, I don't know, month, yeah. month and a half, I don't know, holidays, yeah. holidays. We had a lot of stuff going on in, uh, December and January. So we weren't on YouTube and podcasts and Instagram as much as usual. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, some cool things there. We're going to tell some funny stories about one, how I broke my gravel bike, which is funny and depressing all simultaneously. Jared's laughing at me already. Not, not surprising. Because he knows, <laughs> he knows what happened. Yeah. It's, it's a good story. Uh, we're going to talk about some 2021 bike industry predictions. We're going to talk about a couple new products, little interesting things there. Answer some listener questions around suspension platforms and when to upgrade your somewhat old bike. And what we are riding right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, plenty of things to talk about. Plenty. Plenty. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Sound effect. <laughs> Radio silence. <laughs> we have we have been a little bit quiet on media since uh, I don't know December, and mostly that's because we have been very busy. We moved, so where most of all the worldwide cyclery content is filmed and recorded is predominantly in our California location. We have a location in Nevada and Pennsylvania as well, but California location is where this is being recorded and where all the YouTube videos get done for the most part. And we moved shops. Our, our lease ended on our last building uh, at the end of December, so we were busy as ever moving desks and bikes and bike racks and tools and everything I don't know, what everything what did you move oh pretty much everything except for the toilets i mean <laughs> <laughs> it was it it's it's a hassle i mean i think everyone's moved and it's a challenge let alone a challenge of moving a whole building of people's stuff and bikes so so yeah we, we weren't on the the media front as much but the new store is basically 98 percent of the way done now and it's pretty rad do you like it jared i love it yeah Massive improvement, everything, everything from the front door, the front door to the back door, right? The front door is nice. Yeah. The front door is nice. Mm -hmm. I like it. We now have a uh, sort of dedicated room for recording podcasts and filming YouTube videos. And it's, uh, it's got panels all over it. You can see it right now. If you're, uh, if you're watching this on the MTB podcast, YouTube channel, you can check it out. Uh, same exact podcast is on YouTube if you prefer to watch rather than listen on your favorite platform. And why wouldn't you? I mean, look at these guys. Yeah. Look Look at us. Look at us right now. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, the uh, one of the mans behind the cameras, is just looking at us like, what are you guys doing? Shaking his head. But uh, yeah, you'll, you'll start to see a, a different look and feel to our YouTube videos um, coming up here because we got some fancy new lights and some fancy little sound panels. And yeah, it's all good stuff. We're, we're excited for that. Our, in case you didn't know, our California store, it's, uh, it's a retail showroom. So we've got bikes and we do service here. And a lot of the customer support team is here. Mark marketing and media is here. Uh, We build bikes, we service bikes, we ship things out of here. Most of our shipping, about 96% of it, goes out of our uh, Reno, Nevada and Lancaster, Pennsylvania locations, which are both retail stores that are mixed in with like warehouse fulfillment side of things. Um, All that stuff is on the interwebs if you're interested in checking that out. Or if you happen to be around there, stop on by. They're all open Monday to Friday. The California one's open Monday to Saturday. Mm -hmm. Jared's here. Please do. Monday to Saturday. I'll be here this Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. Please come by. Say hi. Please come by. I'll give you a sticker. (laughs) No, that is an incentive if I've ever heard it. Um, Yeah. So there you go. That's kind of why we've uh, been a little bit quiet. It's a good upgrade for us. We're excited. Uh, Check out the Google machine, Worldwide Cyclery California, if you want to see some pictures of the new shop. And yeah, expect to see more stuff there. We will hop back on more podcasts and YouTube videos soon enough here. And now let's talk about Outlook. For the bike industry in 2021. Yes, please. And now, a word from our sponsors. Howdy, folks. My name is Bobby, and I'm the founder of Bobby's Bicycle Butt Butter. Our products were created based on the need for a buttery butt because nobody likes chafe buttocks, and I mean nobody. We have saved thousands of bicycle riding bums with our bicycle butt butter, and you could be next. Visit bobbysbicleballbutter.net and get ready to lather. And now, back to the show. So... 
So 2020, I think everyone already knows it's kind of a, you know, been talked about too much now. COVID changed the consumer behavior, the human behavior of, I think, everyone on the mm. planet, right? Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Too. And bicycles really benefited from that. There's a lot more people riding, um, a lot more stuff selling, so stock changed. I mean, everyone already sort of knows what happened. Bicycles got exponentially more popular in 2020, which is great. I mean, I love seeing more people having fun on bikes. That's definitely an important thing that I think makes the world a better place. So that's cool. But it did have some ramifications for the bike industry. And uh, that's, getting, that's getting talked about a lot. And now we're in 2021. And we're wondering what's going to happen this year. Bike Rumor actually wrote a couple really good articles about their predictions for 2021 in the industry in particular, and then sort of mountain bikes of the future. And uh, it was there were great articles. They got shared amongst the staff. And we're going to just blitz through sort of the key points and our opinions on them so you guys can kind of know what's going on with the bike industry in 2021 and what's going on with mountain bikes in 2021. So jumping right into that. The first thing on the industry predictions is everything will be in short supply. I would have to agree. I mean, I think it's getting a little better, but I would definitely have to agree. It seems Especially to common like, parts. Yeah. You know, like drivetrains, everybody wants, you know, the entry level 12 speed, you know, one by yep. drivetrain. That's getting increasingly more difficult to find, um, especially the good stuff. Yeah. It's hit its low point, though. Yeah. I mean, things are definitely just spotty. They're in and out of stock way more frequently than they ever used to be in the past. But they they come in, they come out, but it's it's kind of like, I think it's hit its low point, and it's not like just continually to go downhill. It's kind of like plateaued at sort of like, it's low. It's yeah. not like it was in 2019 and years past. Totally. So things are in scarce supply. So yeah, I agree. That's that's definitely a good one. I think everyone's everyone who's riding and in the industry has experienced that to some extent right now. And even just our own catalog on Worldwide Cyclery is, <laughs> I think it's like... 40% out of stock or 45% right now. It's been oh. fluctuating around there, which, yeah, it's, it's tough. I think every every single retailer is in, in that same boat and brand. It's it's just a challenging environment to get product because it sells so fast, and it's also harder to manufacture it because there's a lot of manufacturing going on and not enough capacity for all of it. So mm -hmm. imagine toilet paper. What happened with that? That's basically what happened with, <laughs> with bicycles yeah. and bicycle parts. Absolutely. So, yeah, good good prediction on there. Next one, only a few new models will launch. What do you think? You know, I am not 100% sure if I agree with this. I think that some models will launch, you know, as planned, but will you be able to get them? You know, doubtful. Like yep. we just saw the new Forbidden Long Travel, the Dreadnought, I believe it's called. Yep. And, you know, they have frame-only kits, but yeah, they're waiting. There's going to be a few months before they can actually roll out complete bikes. So stuff like that, you know, they are launching new models, but complete bikes. Yeah, I think a lot of these bikes and frames are being engineered and planned typically like three plus years before they actually are seen by the public eye. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. That is a tough one. I think maybe people will launch stuff and then there'll just be like limited availability right. on different build kits and things like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know if anyone's going to not launch a bike they were planning on launching and they were probably launch, planning on launching something in 2021 way before 2020, right? So... I don't know. We'll see. I mean, yes, no, situational, big brands, small brands, everyone's in a different situation there, mm -hmm. but it's it's probably a good prediction. Next up, we might not see new brands launch either. So the theory there is that it's just so hard to be a startup mountain bike brand and as whether you're making frames or parts or anything. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. For it's, sure could see that. Challenging situation going on. Um, the vast majority of the stuff in the bicycle industry is made in Asia, and the factories over there are just overwhelmed and backlogged and at max capacity. So, mm -hmm. yep, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, unless um, you are doing everything in house, you're owning your own machinery and everything like that. I mean, yeah, and that's, that's the next prediction, yeah. right? So, even domestically made parts are going to be hard to get. Yeah, and they've got a wolf tooth pictured there. So, yeah, true. I mean, hard to get, long lead times. Everybody just has to hang in there and be patient and. It's just going to take longer to get everything, it seems like. Yep. We we sell quite a bit of Wolf Tooth. They make some amazing yeah. stuff, all CNC USA made. And they haven't been, I don't know, you would know better than I would. What is their, like, stock levels like on their, con, like, dropper? They make an amazing dropper remote, yeah. my favorite one. Yeah, definitely, you know, like everything um, before early COVID, yeah, it was really hard to get that. Yeah. You know, really hard to get their dropper remotes and stuff like that. 
but it's getting better. Yeah, it's better now. It's not yeah. horrible. Leveling out. Yeah, 2021 is, is shaping up. I mean, even just coming into, we're recording this uh, mid-feb, just about mid-February, and it's not that bad. I, th- I think we were probably collectively more pessimistic on inventory levels, you know, summertime last year and fall time. Oh, yeah. Fall 2020, we were very pessimistic on inventory coming in 2021, but it's it's seemingly held on pretty good. But then again, it's February, and come March, April, May, it might all just disappear once... Everybody's back on their bike. Yeah, and once everyone's back on their bike, yep. In the north, where it's all cold and white right mm-hmm. now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, Brexit will complicate things for now. I think yes, but I'm just really not that familiar because we're just... American boys, and we've heard we've heard about it. And heard, I don't know. Have you heard much about it? Yeah, I heard the story with Brooks, how they're even having a hard time selling saddles within the UK because they have an Italian distributor, and it's created this whole mess. Where, from what it sounds like, they basically have to ship stuff to Italy to get it back. Oh, geez. Yeah, it sounds like it a whole mess. So I could only imagine if that's just Brooks, how you know manufacturers like frame manufacturers and and bike companies in the in the UK. I can only imagine the kind yeah. of headaches that they're dealing with right now. Yeah, basically everyone in UK, Europe, all that area are going to have yeah, it's trouble. N- yeah. Crazy. Like, having a hard time seeing nuts. the benefits of Brexit from that standpoint. It's so like, complicated, I haven't even bothered yeah. to like try and understand it because it's just complicated. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's hard for us to say, but yeah, if if any uh, if anyone who's extremely familiar with it wants to educate on us, um, let us know. Maybe we'll Please. have you as a guest star on the podcast. Please do. That would be cool because I'd like to learn more about that and how it's affecting the bike industry in Europe. Yeah, me too. Um, cool. Let's jump to the mountain bike predictions, the most important ones: fluctuating build specs. So, mm-hmm. what that means is, you know, when a bike comes out and it's like, yeah, this is the build spec we offer at this price, and it has this derailleur and this dropper post and this seat. Those always typically have an asterisk, and it says subject to change because you know they might not be able to source a certain thing, but they kind of never do. Yeah, you know, historically, right. obviously, but now. They will. Yeah. They, the, that subject to change, will they will utilize that little clause <laughs> yeah. now because... Absolutely. Yeah, they they spec it with a certain set of wheels and then they can only get 50 pairs of those wheels and then, boom, they got to change the set of wheels and change the price. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we saw Transition do that pretty early. They had some supply chain problems and now everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, every bike brand is having issues just getting what they originally wanted to spec the bike with. Yeah. See that with a couple of Rebel bikes. Saw one in the back mm-hmm. yesterday. Had the Crank Brothers synthesis wheels, and typically those only come with the i9 under OS. So yeah. there's one example right there. Just yeah. spec fluctuations right there. Yeah, product supply. It all it all ties back to that, which is making it a challenge. Yeah. Um, next prediction: more tubeless bikes on the showroom floor. So that's I don't know. We we live in such the high end mountain bike world specifically that everything's been tubeless. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. So it's it's hard to say. I mean, at one point there was no tubes. Like there was no <laughs> tubes. It was insane. I remember uh, my girlfriend's boss, his daughter's bike. They needed a, a tube for it, and it was it was a twenty four inch bike. And I was like, oh, I'll fix it for you. They own a cafe, so I was like, oh, I'll fix the bike for you in exchange for some cold brew. And like we brought the bike in, and like we couldn't find a. The mechanic was like, anywhere. our mechanic was like, hey, we couldn't, we can't get a tube. I'm like, what do you mean, what do you mean, you can't get a 24 inch? You can't. Like, what? They're like, no. Like, every bicycle industry distributor was out. I couldn't even buy one at retail. From I looked at Walmart, Amazon. I mean, like, all I scoured the internet for like 30 minutes. I couldn't find a tube. Ridiculous. And since when are all these people getting on these flats? <laughs> <laughs> I, think just, I think there's just more people. Uh, you gotta be right. So, so this was in, I think this was in June, right? So that was kind yeah. of like people were really riding bikes more often. And mm-hmm. yeah, Peak it was crazy. Summer. Everybody's going out to get a new bike. Yeah. Gyms are all shut down. Yeah. Taking Everybody's, their old yeah. bikes that they haven't ridden in three years. And they're yep. like, well, I can't I go to Disney to. World this year. So I'm just going to ride bikes <laughs> with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, but it seems like it's changed. The tubes yeah. seem, I don't know. I don't have a f- total good finger on the pulse when it comes to tubes because yeah. we, we live in the world of tubeless sealant more so, which mm-hmm. that's in stock. Yeah. Stands no tubes, orange seal. But it wasn't. Yeah, you're right. It did sell out for a while there. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually brought on Petey's, which is a, a rad. That's a brand by Steve Pete, the former 
a famous downhill racer. And, uh, yeah, we just brought that brand on for tubeless sealant and rim tape and valve stems. Um, I like that stuff. Yeah, I like that they have stuff. they mix humor into that brand. Yeah. Probably, did you read the product descriptions? I have not. So they have rim tape. It's called Petey's Rim Job. <laughs> 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 and it's good. So if, if you want some entertainment, um, go check out Petey's products. We've got a good selection on our site, and uh, they just have good, funny product descriptions and names, and I appreciate that. That's awesome. Uh, more 29ers as a prediction. I think you could say that every year for the last seven yeah. years. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 29ers just get more popular. That makes sense. Yeah. Fox Fox uh, let out some data talking about the percentage of 29ers versus 27.5, and it was pretty clear that 29ers are... Wasn't it like at least 80%? Yeah, I think it was 80% forks sold was 29 or forks. in yeah. terms of like forks that they Which sold. Which is insane. Yeah. I yeah, thought, so I didn't it even seems realize, like I mean, upgrade, if you're upgrading, you're crazy. upgrading your 29er, which, yeah, is interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Continued geometry evolution. I I kind of disagree. What do you think? I think there's going to be some minor things, like uh, kind of like how Pinkbike poked fun at how we kind of make these little marginal gains every couple yep. years. Like, you know, we change our degrees by half a degree, and then they came out with the Grim, the Grim Donut. Donut. And yeah, that was funny. I think yeah. everyone's probably seen that. Yeah. yeah, but they found the limit, right? Yep. Like, how slack and how steep can the seat 2 be and how long can this be? I think they realized, like, yeah, okay, this is the extreme of the scenario. And the marginal gains actually are good for something that kind of lets us, you know, experiment and find that perfect middle ground of, like, where the good geometry is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think... I do think brands will always be playing with geometry, but I think as of recent, it seems like brands have started to realize that there is a limit for the majority of riders versus the minority of riders. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, you look at pros, right? Like elite level mountain bike riders that really ride their bikes at a completely different speed than I would say the other 97% of average weekend warrior mountain bikers and those riders that ride at that speed just need different geometry like totally. they require different suspension setups and different tire pressure and different yeah. rims and and different geometry and a lot of those changes that you need when the bike is going that fast you they're they're a hindrance when the bike is not going that fast um, so I, I think that brands are starting to realize that more and they're they're realizing like, oh, hey, if, you know, 97% of the people that buy this bike are not elite level pros, maybe we shouldn't engineer the geometry for elite level pros for the production bike for the general public. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's that's my take on it. I think brands are starting to like rein it back in because they might have like, okay, we found the limit and yeah. just the weekend warrior doesn't need a 63 degree head angle on his <laughs> trail bike. It's not going to help him. <laughs> yeah. I would say probably some more entry level models are going to, we're going to see some that's more geometry yep. changes, like some more updated geometry on just, you know, your basic entry level bikes. The trickle down mm -hmm. concept. Yeah. Exactly. So like that kind of like, like that perfect balance geo is going to start trickling down to bikes, you know, below 2000 $1,000. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be cool. Rise of the high pivot. So if you're not familiar with that, that's, yeah, that gets into the whole world of really nerdy suspension stuff. But high pivot suspension designs have been around for a long time. They're starting to sort of make a comeback or mm -hmm. just become more apparent. Totally. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's changing the chain line of the bike, routing the chain over the high pivot to prevent chain suck. It was something that was more popular. I think, wow, Canfield on their Jedi, right? Their downhill bike. It was more popular in the downhill world because that's where chain growth um, really matters more on an eight-inch travel bike. And mm -hmm. it's starting to trickle down to trail bikes and people are realizing some advantages. I don't know. I I agree. I think more brands will do it, but I don't I don't know if there'll be any significant difference. I'm I'm still of the verdict that we're pretty close to perfection in terms of mountain bikes mm -hmm. and that things like the high pivot, are they better? Yes. Are they significantly better? Not in my opinion. And will most people notice it? Probably not. Will right. a few people notice it? Sure. Right. You think you'd notice it? I think I would. Yeah? Yeah. I think Tough guy. Even uh, <laughs> like I snapped my chain the other day and I had to ride home without a chain and I could instantly notice the difference like of the suspension without the chain. Yeah, you're right. And that's like, true. I think if Which bike are you talking right now? The 115. Okay. SB 115. SB 115. Yeah. 115 mil travel, 29er trail bike. Yeah. And yeah. even that, you notice a difference, you think? Yeah. With no chain? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I mean, for everyone out there listening, if you want to see for yourself, uh, just take your chain off. Just pop your quick link off at the top of a downhill and ride the same downhill you've always ridden with no chain. And you will notice your suspension does behave differently. And that's kind of the concept of the high pivot is to get the suspension to perform as if the chain wasn't on the bike. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely it's pretty cool not having any other noise aside from the, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the silence part yeah. is, is cool. Yeah, yeah that, is, totally. that is true. But yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool noticing that. Yeah, yeah. Give it a try. Yeah. Listeners. Let us know how it goes. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, actually, if anyone does that, please yeah, tell us please. if you notice a difference. I'm really curious. Next up, more room for accessories. Uh, this is this is referring to basically like water bottle style uh you know, mounts on various different places like the top tube and the upper part of the down tube. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I see like more specialized bikes. SWAT. Yeah, 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 exactly. I see more brands doing that sort of thing. They're picturing a, what is that? Is that a, is a, that a pivot? Or I think that's an Ibis Ripley right there at the top with yeah, the bag that, on there. So that has all like the, the time. bag in the front triangle. Yeah, yeah even the Rebel popular. Ranger that I'm riding has got mounting mm-hmm. for that up, up towards the, the yeah. top of the down tube, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think brands are totally going to, the Scout, Transition Scout has that. Yeah. A lot of brands are doing that. So I think it's a huge yeah. opportunity to integrate things that people are already going to be carrying, you know, integrate that into the bike yeah and just a fancier way than wrapping a velcro strap around your fame yeah totally 100 percent. yep i agree uh more flat mount brakes for mtb i do not like the sound of that at all (laughs) (laughs) it's like i hate that it's flat mount yeah that would be so so disc brakes and mountain bikes originally had the is mount which you basically you had perpendicular bolts going into a brake adapter that then the brake adapter bolts went down into they kind of changed that for post mount and then flat mounts really becoming popular. Did it start on road or did it start on gravel? Flat mount, uh, probably both, I'd say. Yeah. You know, when road bikes started getting disc brakes yep. and it's kind of probably around the same time gravel did too, yeah. I'd say. And now people are starting to put it on mountain bikes, which I don't know. I mean, I, I do get that there's some advantages to it. Uh, is there disadvantages to it? The length of the bolts, the complexity of the adapters. It's like an I, adapter for your an adapter. It's a, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to tell if it's gonna do any good in terms of adding complexity. I don't know. It's, what it's kind just, of benefit do you see in that? Uh, shoot, man, I don't know. I, I mean, if everyone just immediately switched to it, like every single brand, every single brake company tomorrow, then maybe there would be a benefit because it's like it it is more snug. Like the picture they show, you yeah. can you can fit the brake caliper in that triangle between the. Uh, chain stay in the seat stay as opposed yeah. to on top of the chain stay uh, or sorry on top of the seat stay so i don't know uh i guess it depends on the rotor size though right yeah i know because people at mountain bikes change rotor sizes so much more whereas like road and gravel yeah it's much running. more common to just run the size rotor that the bike was designed for but mountain bikes people are like oh i ride it more on downhill even though it's a trail bike so i want a bigger rotor so yeah. like adapters play a way bigger role in the mountain bike scene so i don't know it's tough it could be right Oh God! I don't I hope know. Not. Yeah, complexity of, of I don't, I don't mountain like bikes. That. The the bolts and all that deal. It's just a yeah. It's just another complicated thing to yeah. learn. There's like no real standard, right? For, for flat anything mount. ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Uh, it's confusing. It is. Yeah. Go ahead and Google flat mount brakes <laughs> and just have a gander. See, yeah. see if you see if you leave that Google search more confused than not. <laughs> um, <laughs> next up, EMTB gets ratter and bikes will get lighter. Uh, I agree. I mean, I just see so many more e-bikes on the trails Tons. of all kinds. It's it's wild. So more than uh, regular bikes, it seems like these like if yeah, you go at least for, around here. Yeah. yeah. So we're riding predominantly in, in SoCal, just just a bit northwest of L.A. And yeah, I mean, I yeah, there's probably times I go out and I see more e-bikes than the normal non e-bikes like Sycamore, Chesbro, yeah. like I just get these guys flying past me constantly. Yep. Yeah. Even like hike, I'll be hiking sometimes and someone just like blitz past me on an uphill. Like yeah. what the heck? And then yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, he's on a Levo. He's just flying and he's yeah. Classic. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. E- e-bikes are still, for whatever reason, controversial. I mean, I, I'm i a fan of the fact that it's just getting more people on bikes and they're enjoying it. And they're just fun to ride. And, like, we ride bikes for fun. Mm-hmm. Don't get mad at people if they want to ride an electric one. But <laughs> people probably just got mad at me for saying that, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be like what it reminds me of the whole 29er thing. When 29ers started becoming a thing. Yeah. And everyone was, you know, there was just this huge faction of 
diehard mountain bikers that were like, oh, they're stupid, 26 for life. There <laughs> still are those guys. Wagon <laughs> wheels. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're a really small <laughs> they're a percentage. Less, yeah. it, like, it like started out as like, yeah, 40% of people just were haters on 29, and now it's like 0.4% of people. Yeah. I think e-bikes might end up being the same thing, but I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's like until you try it, right? It's like don't knock it till you try it. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's that's what I tell people. And at the same time, it's like, it's just bikes. Like, they're, some are electric, some are not. Some are for roads. Some are just ride a bike and have yeah, fun. Don't, exactly. Don't get heated about it. Exactly. So, But, yeah, as far as that prediction goes, I agree. I mean, you're already seeing that in the last, mm-hmm. you know, 12 months. Um, e-bikes just continue to get nicer looking and lighter and more efficient in every way. So, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that prediction. Yeah, I agree, too. Yep, uh, there you go. There is your 2021 bike industry and mountain bike predictions. And now I'm going to tell a fancy little story after this sound effect. If you're trying to get fit, stay lean, and be amazing on the bike, ride harder, and have a six-pack of steel, come on down to Scotty's Squats and Squirts. It's a new gym in South Bend, Oregon. We're also offering online courses on scottysquatsandsquirts.gov. Get fit, ride harder, and be amazing. And now, back to the show. Story time. Story time. So we decided to tell some more personal stories on this podcast. Uh, ones that in particular maybe include bicycles because that's, I mean, basically any stories we have usually do. So my story is how I broke my gravel frame, my carbon salsa cutthroat gravel bike. Your frame? The frame. Oh, I didn't hear about this. I broke the frame. <laughs> oh, well, well, and and your story is, don't give it away, just just give the snippet of it. What's your story? Uh, well, it just has to do with the cleanse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, So so my story... Back on the week of January 11th, uh, so we we acquired a mountain bike apparel brand called Kettle Mountain about I don't know a year and a half ago, and we've been working on all the new product designs to and we're launching sort of all the new styles uh, this spring, which I'm super excited about. I got the final prototype of the new shorts that that we designed, and I, they're epic. And I was like, I'm gonna have a hell of a week testing these shorts. So I'm gonna wear the same pair of shorts with no underwear for the whole week, and I'm gonna do a lot of stuff. So, so on Tuesday, I ran uh, six and a half miles. On Wednesday, I ran three miles. On Friday, I hiked 3.5 miles. Saturday, I rode uh, 10 and a half miles to the beach. Then I swam a half mile in the open water at Sycamore Cove Beach against the current like a like a baffling moron, like but it was Iron fun, Man. and I couldn't even feel my arms. And then I rode 10 and a half miles home. While I was about to go in for my ocean swim, it's kind of a windy day. I'd, I'd ridden my salsa cutthroat. It's, it's supposed to be like an adventure bike. They, they created it for like the Tour Divide, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a, they call it a drop bar mountain bike. I don't know. It's, it's pretty rad. Salsa makes a lot of really unique, like very focused adventure bikes. Very cool. Uh, the cutthroat is the one I have, and it's supposed to have drop bars, but I put flat bars on it and a dropper post because... I'm a mountain biker, and I cannot ride drop bars. Sorry. Uh, I love that thing. Super fun for little rides like that. And so as I'm as I'm getting ready to go for my swim, I lean my bike up, left crank on a, on a rock, and I'm, I'm taking my shirt off, getting ready for the swim. Gust of wind blows. Bike blows over, and the top tube just smashes on a rock. Oh, you should no. Go, you should go see. Yeah, I just full on broke the frame. Oh. Like It was as if you just took a hammer to the top tube. No. Um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I rode it home. I rode it 10 and a half miles home, and uh, I, I'm still riding it. I got another 30 miles on it since, and it's oh fine. Oh, it's no. definitely broken. It definitely should be replaced, <laughs> but it's the top tube, which doesn't take that much stress. So I'm just I'm just going for it. I'm just hoping, crossing my fingers, it's going to be okay, and I, I think it's okay. I probably should get it repaired. I probably should replace it. I do not recommend anyone ever ride a broken carbon bike, but they're expensive, and I, I just feel like kind of an idiot, you know? Huck and pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what um, you're doing right now. I mean, everyone's probably like, I don't know, lifted your bike out of your truck and scratched something, you know, or maybe your bike just accidentally fell over. It's like when you have a brand new helmet and you knock oh. it off the table. Yeah, so I fell and broke my frame. It was, it was just I was like four feet away from it. The wind just blew it over, hit a rock. That is unreal. Um, yeah, Boulder, so that's, hopefully. A what? Big rock, maybe like a boulder. I mean, yeah, it was like a it was like a football size like stone in the sand that just like blew and landed right on the top tube. Oh, yeah, I Ugh. was I was depressed. I'm still I'm still a little depressed about it. So it's not a very cool story. That's awful. Isn't that fork uh, also 
Well, there was a small batch of those salsa cutthroats that they had like a, a recall on the forks, but right. mine's not one. Okay, good. So my fork is good. I just want to make sure your whole bike yeah. is not completely No, it was a pretty small batch of those. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, but I'm still riding it. But anyways, that's how I broke my carbon gravel frame. Um, but I don't know, still works. And then the Sunday, I I hiked 16 and a half miles. Uh, how, many, how much was that with, was with you? Oh, uh, 11? 10 or 11, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it would have been it would have been ten. Yeah, yeah. So so Jared and I and some friends and Jared's girlfriend, we all hiked Mount Boney, um, which was what was the total elevation? I I went from home and like hiked a trail through home, so I added. I think it's two thousand elevation. No, it's more than that. More than that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a thirty-one hundred foot elevation mountain that like overlooks the ocean. It's pretty cool. It's it's Newbury. It's it's like the big prominent mountain that overlooks Newbury Park, which is where we live. Um, we found a new route. Well, I found a new route <laughs> uh, the night before, and I was like, "Wow, this looks like a really good route." A lot of scrambling, a lot of sketchiness. We should try and hike that. And I convinced a few uh, people who may regret their decision or not to hike up this route. Did a lot of rock scram- scrambling, a lot of sketchy climbing stuff, and it was good. Did you have fun? It was a blast, yeah. yeah. I would like See? to get some better shoes next time, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. do not wear old Jared, shoes. Jared's, Jared's <laughs> girlfriend, Paige, was uh, more than once said, I am never hiking with Jeff again. <laughs> uh, but, but I kept reassuring her that yeah. once... We were all back at the car, and it was all fine. She was going to be really glad she hiked that mountain. And you were right. Yeah, see? And yeah. then she, yeah, see? So moral She was very glad she did she it. She was glad she did it. She yeah, it was cool. People pushed themselves. It was a lot of out of your comfort zone. It was fun. We ran into to two ladies um, on the mountain as we were hiking up. Um, I we, we heard someone just go, hello? <laughs> and, and They were uh, lost, for sure. They were they were lost. And, and I and I yelled back. I said, hey, I got your Grubhub order. <laughs> and, and then I heard some laughter, and I was like, okay. So they're, they're not too in danger, but they yeah. were totally lost. And it was, it was so steep, and there was so much, like, rock scrambling that they were afraid to go up further because they couldn't go back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we, we helped them out, and they hung out with us, and we took them all the way to the top and did some more cool rock jumping, and it was a good time. So that w- it, was a, it was an eventful week. I had a great time. Other than the, the whole week was phenomenal, other than the fact that I broke my gravel bike. I broke the top tube. Ridiculous. Oh, ridiculous. And how'd the shorts hold up? Was that... Dude, the shorts were amazing. Yeah. yeah, I wore the shorts seven days in a row. No undies. Never washed them. Um, swam in the ocean in them. They're amazing. Like, uh, just just wait. Well, can't wait March, to March, April, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see some amazing shorts from Kettle Mountain. Oof. And I can tell you all about how I wore them with no underwear, doing a lot of activities. Um, so that was my story. So we were talking about we were going to tell stories. That was a story I wanted to tell. I want to tell you about my January 11th week and that event, the eventful week I had. And then uh, Jared came back with, uh, with with another story he wanted to tell. So go ahead. Go ahead, Jared. Well, another story of disaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in Trader Joe's a few months back and, uh, you know, over by like the vitamins and stuff. And I came across this colon cleanse and I thought this is going to be a great idea. Um you know, just why not, right? Like new year, new me, I'm going to try this out and, and I'll be clean as a whistle and I'm going to be drinking juice after this. And like all those people you've seen commercials. Well, one night, uh, I think it was about a week ago. I tried to decide, I decided to try it. And, uh, within 10 minutes, I found myself in the bathroom. Um, Explosive diarrhea. Explosive. Wait. Okay. So you did this at nighttime? That was maybe the first mistake, but I didn't. I also didn't want to take it before I came into work, and mm-hmm. and I didn't yeah, want to have point. to take the day off. Because that was the alternative. I thought I was this close to to texting Al and saying I'm not going to make it in. <laughs> I, took, I, I can't tell you why, <laughs> but no, I tried it and it was disaster. Um, well, I guess there's two ways you could look at it. it. It was disaster for how it felt, and I was very, I definitely was clean as a whistle afterwards. You accomplished the goal. It cleansed was, out. Yeah, did, the product did what it said it did, right? Yeah. Long story short, uh, there were many, many trips to the bathroom mm-hmm. the next 24 hours. Um, and I'll probably put that back in the cabinet and not touch it for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there you go. You're yeah. listening to the Mountain Bike Podcast <laughs> by Worldwide Cyclery. And uh, you probably didn't think you were going to hear that, but that's the Worldwide Cyclery way. So, and if you're uh, looking for an effective colon cleanse, Trader Joe's has a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over uh, by the vitamins. We were not paid for that advertisement, by the way. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. 
And by break, I mean cool sound effect. And then we will jump into some new products and then listener questions. And Jared and I are going to do the sound effects. Ready? One, two. Do you poop a lot? Do you ride bikes a lot? Do you have to poop while riding bikes a lot? If you answered yes to two of these questions, then JRAS reusable toilet paper is for you. Our state-of-the-art steel wool-infused toilet paper will leave you feeling clean and refreshed. Stock up now at jrasreusabletoiletpaper.org. And now, back to the show. New products. New products. New products. New products. There is not a ton of exciting stuff to talk about because everyone in the mountain bike industry doesn't really release new products in the off-season. But something that is still relatively new, which is pretty rad, is the SRAM Access new rocker paddle. So for context, SRAM Access, it's a controller, they call it, not a shifter. It's their electronic mountain bike drivetrain, uh, the shifter, also known as a controller. The original paddle was, I don't know, I I didn't really like it. I thought it was not that ergonomic. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely required a little extra effort to... Get into the gear you want. It was just a very different shape than the traditional right, shifter. Right. Yeah. And it took a little getting used to. It took a little getting used to. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So SRAM listened to the consumer feedback, which that's what they said, mm-hmm. I would assume, most of them. And they engineered a fancy new one that is much more familiar feeling to the existing regular mechanical SRAM mountain bike shifters. And uh I think it's much better. It's twenty five dollar upgrade, so that's pretty cool. Much Jared, better. What yeah. do you think? I like it a lot, actually. Why? I had the chance to install one on my girlfriend's dad's SB130 lunch ride with an Axis upgrade kit and super easy to install, which is awesome. And yeah, there's definitely an ergonomic improvement. There's that little wing that comes off mm-hmm. to the right hand side, and it just gives you a really nice place to put your thumb like you would with a regular shifter. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's no surprise it's one of our best-selling products last couple months. I mean, yeah, I mean, as soon as we it was announced and we listed it for sale, it just flew off the shelves. Oh, yeah. So clearly, like, a lot of people wanted a different shaped paddle for that access shifter. Totally. So. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see if they come out with something similar for the uh, access reverb. Um, although I don't oh, think, that's right. yeah, you know, that's I don't, point. I don't know if people are complaining so much about that. Yeah, that one's not, cause that's a single button. It's not like there's nothing right. down. So right. that one works pretty good. Actually. It is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I like that one too. Yep. Um, Agreed. but yeah, overall I think it's a huge improvement. I really like it and, and it's just, yeah, super nice and easy to, to shift gears on it now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess the moral story there is it, it was just cool to see SRAM listen to all the consumer feedback yeah. on their premium electronic mountain bike drivetrain controller and engineer a new paddle that just worked really good and worked better and obviously a lot of people wanted it because they sold like crazy as soon as they as soon as they came out so i don't know i I respect sram for for doing that especially because if you have one it's only a 25 dollar upgrade which is which is pretty cool so there you go that's that that's something that's still relatively new and interesting and exciting if you've got an access controller Mm mm-hmm the other cool thing, I guess I don't honestly know how new this is, but it's new to us, uh, Bird Spokes, B-E-R-D. And we're not going to go too deep into this because this is some hardcore bike nerdage. And to be honest, the number one bike nerd in Worldwide Cyclery is Mr. Liam Woods. Um, and he is super occupied with various other work-related things right now. Um, just that's what's going on. So he'll be on next podcast episode. But to touch on Bird Spokes, B-E-R-D, they are, what are they? Well, let me tell you, bird spokes, <laughs> they basically look like a string that is a spoke. Yeah, and it's like they a are flexible canvas string looking bendy spoke. Yes. How that makes sense, I don't know. They are made from an advanced polymer called ultra high molecular weight polyethylene. <laughs> and it has 12 times the strength to weight ratio of steel and it floats on water. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty cool. They look very cool. It is cool. Yeah, it's the we saw them, we heard about them, and uh, we got in touch with them to test some wheels. And it's just it's cool. Like it's really interesting when you see an innovative, unusual product like that. And I'm personally kind of a weight weenie. I still care about my bike being light, which most people don't. Jared, do you? To an extent, I guess it depends on the bike. Not as bad as me. Yeah, I mean, I want my you know cross country bike to be lighter, 
but my enduro bike, I don't really care. I mean, it's a tank, so I want it to be able to smash everything. Yep. And, right. and hold up to it. But I'm very interested to try these spokes. I can't wait. It yep. looks like there's definitely some improvements um, over traditional steel spoke. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah, sense. you know, some pros and cons, but yeah, super cool looking. Can't wait yeah. to try them out. So we will, we will have all ridden them, uh, by next podcast episode and we will go more in depth on sort of what these crazy things are and we'll probably put them on the YouTube channel just cause they're crazy and wild and interesting, but we need Liam for all of this cause he is the ultra bike nerd. That's going to have way more details on things like spoke tension and how you lace them and, and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for the next podcast episode to hear more about bird spokes. Which should be pretty cool. Um, let's just jump right into listener questions. What do you think? We actually have a couple really good ones. So yeah. one of them is about suspension platforms, and one of them is about when to upgrade a somewhat old bike. Uh, these are really lengthy questions, so we're going to uh, kind of shorten them up a little bit. But thank you for everyone who sends in questions. We will try and get to the best ones and, and always answer them in the podcast. Um, you're always welcome to email questions to podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. Uh, you can also just hit the MTB podcast website and just drop a question in there as well. So... Audience questions. Uh, the first one, basically, the question is around. Uh, it says, "I know you know Jeff and Liam are riding Revels. I'm curious what you guys think about the descending capabilities on both the Rail and the Rascal. So the Rail is there is Revel bikes 27.5. Was it 165 mil travel in the rear, mm-hmm. right? 170 in the front." Uh, 27 inch wheels, and then the Rascal is the 130 in the back, 140 in the front, 29 inch wheeled bikes. And uh, so, yeah, the gentleman says he's coming from a YT Jeffsy. He's curious. He wishes Revel had 150 mil travel 29er. Mm-hmm. We all do. I'm yes, sure they're working do. on that. Revel's a fairly new brand. They're out of Carbondale, Colorado. Um, it's a brand we took on not too long ago, basically right after they launched, and they're making some really good bikes. And where this question kind of goes is, he was curious about, you know, comparing it to the YT Jeffsy and about the CBF suspension design. So CBF, which is the Canfield Balance Formula, it's the patented suspension platform that Revel Bikes uses. And he's kind of curious on how well it works descending and then also how it might compare to something like the YT Jeffsy. So it's, um, you know, there's a lot to unpack in that question because it does get super nerdy. So um, Adam and I actually went to Revel in, when was that, Adam? August 2019? Yeah, almost a couple years ago. Yeah, August 2019, I think we went there and we visited. We went to Yeti, we went to Revel, and then we went to SRAM's uh, Colorado Springs location all in like the course of four days. A really cool trip. But while we were there, we filmed a video uh, with Chris Canfield himself, which is uh, the main engineer is Canfield Brothers. So Chris Canfield was the main dude who engineered CBF. Um, he was actually at the Revel Bikes headquarters while we were there in Carbondale. And we made a whole video all about the suspension platform. So if you really want to nerd out on suspension platforms, check out that video. Just put in Revel Bikes CBF into YouTube and you'll find it. Um, suspension platforms. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. I, I feel like I do get a lot of questions, friends, and just, you know, people hit me up and ask me about that. And it's you know, because Yeti has a really unique suspension platform. Everyone kind of does. Some people have more than another. And I think, I don't know, I kind of put them into two buckets. You have sort of those patented ones like Dave Weagles and, and CBF. Um, Dave Weagle, the DW Link, has various different designs that are licensed to various different brands, which is why Ibis uses a DW Link. So does um, Da Vinci. So does Pivot. But And so does Evil. Evil's is the Delta system. Salsa? Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Salsa Bikes uses DW. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... There's those patented systems and there's those sort of what are known in the industry as more of like off the shelf systems, sort of like open, unpatented styles. Most brands use the opened, open, off the shelf sort of designs. Some use the patented ones. Is there a significant difference? Ooh, is a very tough question because it does kind of depend on who you are, how much travel the bike has. And really what, how perceptive you are of that suspension platform when you're on it. And then there's like a million other variables, like your tires, your wheels, your actual fork and rear shock and how Mm -hmm. you tune them. So I don't know. I mean, Jared, you talk to a lot more general mountain bikers than I do. Like, what do you, what do you think? What's the, like of all the people you talk to on a daily basis on the phone, through emails, in our retail store, like Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you feel like when it terms, if you were to give like a ballpark of like, yeah, the most people I talk to who are mountain bikers, 
do you think they're super perceptive to like actually if they were somehow somehow blindfolded could tell yeah. the difference between a patented suspension platform and not and a yeah. delta versus a ibis dw version versus a cbf could they yeah i mean that's a really good question if you could tell i mean i would say it depends on the rider and the type of riding you're doing mostly right and yeah. i'm like you probably won't notice these differences if you're just going out for a pedal on like a nice casual single track but when you're like really getting into the the gnarliest or you know like when you're pushing it to the limits that's yeah. i think when you start the faster to, you're going yeah. and the more travel the bike has is when kind of anyone's going to be more perceptive to the suspension platform and totally. just the bike in general right totally yeah i think it absolutely depends on how much you're pushing it and just what you're putting the bike through you know like if you're just like i said cruising on a single track versus like pushing it and sending drops and super technical rock gardens um and jumping and stuff like that you know that's all gonna the bike's gonna react differently with different suspension designs yep. so the average rider you know probably not if you're like i said just doing casual riding but um you know if you're really sending it and just gone rowdy stuff i think that's when you definitely notice the difference yeah yeah i i agree i mean i think my my take on that is that of all the years i've been in the bike industry i think the vast majority of riders that are weekend warriors probably won't even notice like the difference between one suspension platform to the other they mm -hmm. probably benefit more from just having good quality suspension and having right. it tuned correctly totally um that's going to make the biggest difference right like if you have good quality suspension and it's very it's tuned correctly for your weight your bike your riding style and you know the train you're on i think that's going to make the biggest difference i don't think it's worth getting although like all the bike brands might want to make you feel like it is i don't think it's really worth getting like super nerdy into the different suspension platforms yeah um, if you like to, sure, of course. I mean, you're 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 free to do so. Yeah. But um, I think for most people, I wouldn't I wouldn't lose sleep over it. I guess I would say. You right. know, I mean, the best thing I always advise people on is just try various different bikes. Try various different. I mean, the more things you can try, the better. Because I think a lot of mountain bikers don't have the opportunity. If they don't work in the industry, right? Like they and they're not pros. They don't have the opportunity to ride a bunch of different bikes and right. try a bunch of different suspension brands and a bunch of different setups like people have jobs and kids and stuff and they have mm -hmm. other things to do than that but I, I always advise people to just try more things if you can like ride your buddy's bike you know uh, trade bikes go to demo events that you know our rip demo events maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe they'll right. come back one day totally after covid but um you know just ride more bikes and and see if you can tell a difference and if you really notice any things and then and then just like dig deep into your brain like what did i notice did i feel different on that bike because the grips were different or because like the whole suspension platform was yeah. different i think one um, thing that most people probably would notice like right off the bat is any squat like mm -hmm. if a bike is bobbing or if it's or if it's not bobbing and like you're, you're just pedaling better like that's one thing probably most people would notice i think yeah even if true. it's set up well or not um you know just immediately that's one thing that's pretty easy to notice yeah yeah i agree i mean how bike pedal like a, how a full suspension mountain bike pedals and how efficient it feels and how bobby it feels yeah, yeah that, that's that, huge Definitely is huge, but yeah, I mean, if if you're really curious on that, watch Rebel, uh, the video we made about Revel's CBF suspension platform, and there basically you have like the best of both worlds. You have Jeremiah Starkey, who's one of the um, co-owners of Revel, talking about the suspension platform, and you have Chris Canfield himself, literally explaining all about it. And yeah, I, I'm really proud of that video. I think we did a good job on it. I think there's a lot of suspension nerd info in it when it comes to any squat and like what these engineers and bike designers are really trying to pull out of the kinematics of the suspension platform, mm -hmm. which is like unbelievably more complicated than it probably should be. But like, it's just the utmost bike nerdage. So it's cool. And there's, yeah, there's other, plenty of other good videos. I mean, just type in Dave Weagle and start learning about him and watching him on, uh, on various YouTube videos that he's featured in. Cause he's one of the gurus of suspension platform designs as well. So, yeah. um, but, but rascal a rail, if you have one bike to do it all, that's what he's saying. I would personally pick a rascal, um, I love the rail. I love the like longer travel 27.5 bike. But for me personally, I would only ride a rail if I'm predominantly riding like really chunky stuff and um, going to the bike park a yeah, lot. Yeah, I was going to say park so, stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know what was actually cool? So Liam built up a 
a rail with a 29-inch front wheel. Yeah. He, made, he made a mullet bike, 29-inch in the front, 27.5 in the back. Uh, that's on our Instagram. Uh, Jared and Liam did a bike check all about that. So if you want to hear more information about that, check that out. But that's kind of an interesting take on, like, you want Revel to make a long travel 29er yeah. with CBF? Well, you could probably just put a 29-inch wheel on the front of a rail. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I rode a Rascal for a long time. I love that bike. I'm currently on the Revel Ranger, which is the shorter travel. Uh, it's 115 in the back and then 120 in the front. I love that thing for, like, most of what I'm doing, especially in the off-season when, when bike parks aren't open. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, like, the 29-inch wheeled 140, 150 in the front, 130 in the back, or 140 in the back, like, that bike to me is, like, the perfect mountain bike. Yeah. Like, you can still be light enough and efficient enough to pedal it up a hill. You can still, like, throw some meaty tires on there and go ride the bike park yeah. and like it's dialed like Versatile. you rode an sb130 quite a while but yeah. now you have sb115 by <laughs> yeah. yeti which is 150 mil travel 29er and yeah. a 150 right yeah so you have like your shortest travel and your long travel yeah 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 but that's the thing it's like i go back and forth all the time between the one bike or the two bikes because you're going to compromise either way like if you have that trail bike you're going to compromise when you're on the gnarliest of the gnarly and on the mellow of the mellow right yep but that's why i like to have that you know short travel 29er rip for all day and then when you want to go like full send long travel bike yeah yeah there you go i mean i yeah that makes sense but yeah. i mean it's also a matter of how many right. people can have two bikes right. but one bike <laughs> yes i absolutely agree yeah if you had one bike yeah. would you rather ride Mid-travel. a 130 mil travel 29er i think so because yeah. yeah the 150 i love it so much but it would be just a ton to pedal around even just for like a yeah. mellow ride around yeah. um whereas like even the 130 even the lunch ride like it's still super poppy and playful yeah. that's and a yeti sb130 which like yeti's sb130 29 inch wheeled 130 mil travel um has 150 in the front mm-hmm. and then the lunch ride what is it that they put it's a longer stroke shock on it so yeah it's, so it's, yeah what they put a longer fork on it 160 in the front and then yeah. the longer stroke shock on the back makes it 137 37 right. millimeters of travel mm-hmm. yeah that's a pretty rad bike yeah so it's a good bike yeah that's that's like yeti's little like they call it the quote-unquote lunch ride yeah um it's a good yeah. all-rounder it's cool yeah it really is yeah i agree yeah so i don't know i mean i i'm definitely a fan of that like 130 to 140 rear travel 29 inch wheeled bike in terms of like if you're going to have one mountain bike and try and do absolutely as many possible things on it that's yeah. probably a great bike I but again agree. like if you like to wear spandex all the time and just like crank out like 40 mile rides that's definitely not the right bike yeah unless you, know? you have like a super less thing like when we're wheel and tire setup can be huge right like you could be running recons yeah and you probably could still do that 30 40 mile ride and True. you know yeah, but yeah. if you got an asa guy and you know dhr2 like i mean you'll be slogging around all day yeah true so it's huge yeah. i don't know if we made this answer anymore <laughs> like i don't know if we helped here we just made people more confused i know um yeah but, i don't know you know it is. interpret that however you want <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully there was yeah. something in there that was of value that didn't make the bike purchasing process any more confusing yeah but yeah at the end of the day that 130-ish travel 29er i think is probably the best do-it-all mountain bike yeah um for the most part yeah at the end of the day it's all about the kind of riding that you plan yeah on it doing. is yeah. yeah what do you what are you going to do the most on it exactly like, don't buy a bike that works good for a bike park if you go to the bike park two times a year like, right that doesn't make any sense exactly that's what i always try and advise people like buy the bike that you're going to use for the most reasonable amount of terrain you're going to ride most often exactly so yeah speaking of bike upgrades the next question uh mark He's a long question here, so we're gonna we're gonna try and sum it up. Um, basically, you know, he's he's kind of curious. He says he's he's not unhappy with his main ride, which is his stump jumper comp from 2014. But um, you know, he was he was a little bit more budget conscious back then when he picked it out, and it sounds like a lot has changed on forks, shocks, geometry, etc. Since then, since 2014. I would agree, but we'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's saying my question is, you know, uh, reasonably, should someone upgrade a bike and how different and noticeable would it feel? Um, you know, in, in various other options. And then he also kind of touches on how it's, you know, there's a big shortage in, in bikes in general that are available. And, you know, we talked about that earlier, and that's true. So it's hard to, like, demo and test ride a bunch of various different cool bikes. So it is tough. So, okay, I'll, I'll start on this one. I think that... Full suspension mountain bikes kind of peaked out in terms of performance, 
of the components and the suspension and the geo and all of that in 2017. I think they've gotten better since then, for sure, but I don't think they've changed that much. So here's what I'm saying. Uh, the the average 2017 model year full suspension mountain bike versus the 2020-2021 bike, they're not that much different. Not that much. There's, there's definitely some changes, but not that much. Mm-hmm. When you go back 2014 to 2017, there's some, like, pretty major changes. Yeah. You know, some, like, seriously valuable components and things like 1x12 and mm-hmm. reliable dropper posts and you know, better geo. Like there's been a, some significant changes from 2014 to 2017. That's kind of like the, the last big revolutionary years in terms of mountain bike, you know, geo and component performance changes. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thought on it. What do you agree? Disagree? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think there's been some changes, right? Like in geo and in component wise, but you're right. It's more of a refinement probably. And you're right. When you look back at a bike from 2014, 2014, or when I'm on the phone with somebody and you're like, yeah, I got a 2014. I'm like, okay, probably have a lot you need to upgrade to get to modern yeah. standard, which is a bummer for people. You know, they probably, people with high-end bikes spend a good amount of money back then on their bike. And they're like, yeah. well, it hasn't been that long. And I'm like, well, it's a long time in the mountain bike world. Yeah, um, yeah. So there, yeah, you're going to have to overhaul your drivetrain and, you know, your suspension and your dropper posts. Mm-hmm everything yeah internally routed dropper posts your wheel standards you yep. have non-boost boost, and non-boost it's like boost hubs when you get to that hubs. point it's a nightmare yeah and yeah then it's it, pretty tough to continuously upgrade a 2014 bike yeah where it would probably make more sense to just kind of keep it as is keep it as a backup bike i don't know or or sell yeah it, sell it and upgrade get, some, get something upgraded it's or yeah so it gets something that you know is still a solid bike that you can upgrade in mm-hmm. the future but yeah definitely if i was at that point i would consider a new bike um, you know, base level, entry level, high quality new bike. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the advice there is like, if you have a 2014 bike, yeah, I think it's time to like start test riding some 2020, 2021 bikes and, mm-hmm. and you'll notice a significant difference totally. in performance across the board and reliability, um, geometry, all sorts of changes. If you have a 2017 or 2018 bike, eh, if you're not like, dying to just get the latest and greatest then like just ride it out or upgrade it and you could upgrade it fine because you've probably got the latest standards not that many quote-unquote standards which is a ridiculous word to say in the bike industry because you can't call it a standard if it changes every other year but they do they isn't the bike industry people (laughs) i don't know Uh, i guess we're part of that problem now but um if you have a 2017 2018 bike yeah you can probably just like continuously upgrade that thing and you're dialed yeah you know whereas if you have a 2014 it I would advise, like, if you're really itching to get something new and different, um, try out a new 2020 model bike, and you'll probably see for yourself it's pretty significantly different. If you're on a 2017, 2018 bike, and you ride a 2020 bike, you'll probably be like, I don't know, it seems the same. Yeah, pretty similar. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it hasn't changed too much. Yeah. So hopefully that helps some of you uh, ladies and gentlemen out there that are itching to buy a new bike. But also, word of advice, Please be patient. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, the bike industry is at a total shortage right now of bikes because of, you know, just consumer behavior change throughout the pandemic and more people riding bikes and all of that. So just be patient with the retailers and the brands that you're trying to purchase with because they're all in the same boat. They they wish they had inventory. I, I promise you. They're not just telling <laughs> you stuff's out of stock because they want to be mean. They're, they wish it was because yeah. then they could sell something and then buy f- dinner you know so um yeah so just be patient the bike industry is in a a bit of a challenging situation right now as well as a lot of other businesses because the world is a weird place 100 so that's that um i think that's it i think last we should just quickly touch on what we're riding which we already talked about i'm riding my gravel bike with a broken top tube (laughs) (laughs) i'm wearing the new kettle mountain virtue shorts which will be released in march (laughs) and they're amazing um i've tested them thoroughly i told you earlier and uh yeah i'm almost riding my revel ranger i absolutely love that bike it's just super fun you know bike that i ride locally that i really enjoy and that's what i've been riding the most of lately and you're on the yeti well, sb 115 yes and i've been riding my 115 a lot well we got a little bit of rain here in southern california if mm. you can believe it or not so i've been trying to ride like every single trail in my book because i love riding them when they're tacky so i've been out to rocky peak a couple times on the sb 150 riding all over here on the 115 
threatened suicide here and there. Suicide's the name of a trail. Yes. By the way. Suicide trail. We didn't name it that. It was just named that probably before we were born. Just yeah. an FYI. Maybe it's an confusing thing to say. We that. say it so knowingly that it's a trail, but yeah. other people don't know that that's a trail. Yeah. And that's a bit of a suicide trail. Word, so. Yeah, suicide trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Been riding. Yeah. Just been riding all over, honestly. Like I said, trying to ride every single trail that I know and love because I like riding them when they're tacky. It's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't I get agree. better. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often in SoCal because we just don't get enough rain. That's an issue, but that's yeah. that's part of life here. A lot of dust. A lot of dust. A lot of dust. Uh, well, that's about it. Thank you all very much. If you've made it this far, Jared and I genuinely love you, and we would love to send you fan mail for listening this long. Sand mail, you mean. Sand mail, <laughs> yes. Uh, fan mail. Was please. it you that said yes. sand mail? Yeah, we had, yeah, we had a YouTube video, and Jared said send us sand mail rather than <laughs> fan mail. Um, I think someone might actually send us sand. We haven't gotten it yet, but I'm waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of comments like, what's the address? I'll send you sand. So <laughs> on that YouTube video, oh my gosh. Uh, that, that video, by the way, was the, uh, it was like the top uh, sort of off the bike upgrades, the best things to make your riding experience better. Mm -hmm. um, we covered a lot of stuff. So I don't know, hit the YouTube channel if you want to learn about it. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to uh, send us your questions if you want us to answer them. Uh, podcast at WorldWideCyclery.com is the email address. Or you can hit the MTB Podcast website and drop a question there. And, yeah, tune or in on the Instagram. next one. Or Instagram. DM, DM us on know, Instagram. Hit us and slide into our DMs and Please say do. what's up. Uh, at Worldwide Cyclery. Yeah, we're, we're on the internet. If you've and made it this far, MTB you've got to know this. And at MTB Podcast. We yeah. still do have that Instagram account, too. We do. Uh, there you go. Thank you all for listening. See you guys in the next one. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.